0: what's up guys welcome back to consuming crime with jen and jules i'm jen i'm jules all right so i'm gonna be hosting today's episode i'm gonna be talking about richard benjamin speck so the way that i came across this story was i was watching mad men which no tea no shade but waste of my time after season four season five trash like trash
1: (laughs) have you seen that show Mad Men? no i have not i know you try to convince me but you know i suck at watching shows <laughs> yeah and i it was good
0: it was good for a little bit and what i like about the show is it was set in the late 1950s and the early 1960s i thought about the story this was before this was like around the time that you know the women were making huge strides addressing the what is it called the glass ceiling like the the um it's something, a term that they used to refer to the gap between men's wages and women's wages, which is still happening today, but it kind of shows you how far we've come as women, for sure, because there's a character, Betty Draper, and she, like, housewife, doesn't have her own goals, it's just about her man. So that actually does get into the story a little bit, and it shows you things that people could get away with back then that they could not get away with today. Hopefully. Hopefully. I have faith <laughs> now in the justice system more in 2019 than back in the 60s. Back in the 60s. This story is just going to frustrate you. So in Mad Men, the reason I brought it up is around season three, season four, there was a story on the news about eight nurses getting murdered in their dorms. And that spoils the ending, but that's where I got it. And that's, that's what this man's known for. He did a lot of other stuff, though. That I want to get into today. So Richard Benjamin Speck was born on December 6, 1941 in Kirkwood, Illinois. He was the seventh child of Benjamin and Mary Speck. Both of his parents worked yet struggled constantly to raise all of their children. His mother was extremely religious. She instilled her pure beliefs on her children day in and day out. Speck's father would take him fishing to get away from the pressure of being at home. When Speck was just six years old, his father died of a sudden heart attack. After that day, Speck was never the same. He began acting out at school, screaming and eating crayons, basically anything that would call attention for himself. Um, His sister spoiled him rotten back at home. However, this wasn't enough for him to quit acting up. His mother was not there for him emotionally. She was too wrapped up in her own grief to acknowledge anyone else's. That was until she met another man. In 1950, three years after her late husband's passing, she remarried a man named Carl Lindbergh. He was everything Speck's father was not, at least in his eyes. Lindbergh had a criminal record for forgery and drunken driving. Nine months after the wedding, the family packed up and moved to Dallas. Speck resented his mother deeply for remarrying, especially now that he was forced to move away from home. Lindbergh treated Speck poorly. He wanted him out of the house and would refer to him as a gutter rat. At the age of 15, Speck had had enough. He stole his stepfather's liquor and ran away from home. (laughs) Oh, man, that's a that's quite a way to run away, huh? <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> Sounds lit. <laughs> he carried a switchblade and taught himself how to pick window locks. He would sleep with older women and prostitutes regularly. He got drunk almost every day and began committing petty crimes. By the age of 20, he was a well-known petty criminal. He would commit things like indecent exposure, drunken disorderly conduct, and shoplifting. So... From what you can probably already tell, this dude was really sheltered. He couldn't do anything. Smoke, drink. I mean, most kids can't do that. But even, like, staying out late, being seen with another woman alone, he just wasn't allowed at all. So, now the chains are gone. (laughs)
1: Dun-dun-dun!
0: He's just, I don't know, I guess living his best life. I don't know. And, I mean, it happens. Like... When you're sheltered like that and strict parents, typically children rebel. I don't know
1: about like to this extent. That's a little much for me. <laughs> I'd settle with just being passed out past like twelve. Yeah. I'd probably just stay oh, out all night. Let's <laughs> just stay out, literally, probably just sit outside somewhere to feel cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real. Just that's it.
1: So I'm gonna show you a picture of this what this
0: dude looked like. Go ahead and look at the photo on the top right. That is Richard Speck.
1: Hmm. Yeah. He looks crazy. He kind of, he does. Like, he has, like, this weird, like, stare. Or is it just like a, Like, a, of emptiness, almost. Yeah. Like, like a like, Ted Bundy type. Like, almost like no emotion, honestly. Yeah. Like, creepy. literally, it's like a blank stare.
0: And it's like a mugshot, too. And I wish I had gotten the details on when that photo was taken. But... I mean, because
1: even mugshots, you you can see people crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, honestly. People smiling. Yeah, like, and there's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. Creepy.
0: Okay. He was not intimidated by police. This was most likely because his mother bailed him out every time. So much so that he was able to bury the resentment he had for her. At this point, his mother was a saint. She was a model for any woman he would be with in the future. So this is just like the first example of him getting the easy way out. In October of 1961, at the Texas State Fair, he met 16-year-old Shirley Malone. After just three weeks of dating, he got her pregnant and they were married soon after. He got a job as a driver for Seven Up, but continued to blow money on alcohol and prostitutes. So his marriage was just like a title. He obviously didn't really love her. He was a drunken, disloyal partner, yet expected purity and perfection from Shirley. In his mind, a woman was either virginal and pure or a whore. So, no in between. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no in between. What about us average girls? <laughs> just like in the like we, we dabble in yeah. free spiritness and whatnot. Mm-hmm. No sex before marriage but his thing was even if you're having sex after marriage you're still a whore.
1: So we can't have sex?
0: I mean maybe unless we're gonna have a baby but So just without a purpose
1: he doesn't Yeah. I guess I mean when... Purposeless sex is bad? Like you know people Like you basically like yeah for for pleasure because even
0: like the really strict people that are really strict with their religion back then were you can't sex is not for pleasure it's for procreation like that was a very strict rule i don't know if it still is but tea (laughs) (laughs) because of this mentality he had he did not respect women unless they had never been touched including his own wife he was convinced that she was cheating on him and would belittle her constantly, calling her a slut, a prostitute, you name it. She denied all allegations, but that didn't change what he had already convinced himself of. She was a lying, cheating whore. Period. Mm. Yeah. To get revenge on her, he would pick up women, drive them to his house, park in in the view of the window where Shirley could see, and make out with and fondle them in front of her. He would then laugh and drive away.
1: I just want to know what kind of women are hanging out with this dude and letting him do that. Are like, are they paid? I hope they're paid. I, I, mean, I don't know. Please don't do it for free, ladies. Do not do that for free. <laughs> At least charge for that. Yes. But
0: just, like, thinking about, like, Shirley sitting in the window. Mm-hmm. In, I don't, like, in today's world, let a guy do that to a woman. Let it happen.
1: Yeah, you don't. But you know what? You'd be surprised. There are those women that would probably. no. No offense. Like i don't even it's just some women are really very very loyal or they believe that marriage is wrong or something so they kind of put up with it mm-hmm. i mean i don't know how i'd be back in the day maybe my views wouldn't be my views well i mean even back in the day you have to remember like a woman's goal
0: was to well like in general mm-hmm. was more stereotypically to find a husband marry settle down raise children whereas now more women it's very diverse now like now you can want to be a stay-at-home mom more commonly entrepreneurship things like that because it's more accepted but back then you kind of had to be a certain way based on what society expected
1: of you no i I mean yeah i agree i feel like if you were like divorced or they kind of felt bad for you you Mm -hmm. know like oh she's divorced or oh she's a widow or oh she's by herself so i mean i can understand that Alright, so after this, um, in July of
0: 1962, their daughter, Ravi Lynn, was born. He refused to pay any of the medical bills and was not around for her birth. He was in jail at the time for disturbing the peace. He spent some more time in jail for forgery, and at 23, he was out again. By this time, he had built more resentment for his wife and became more violent. He demanded sex from her four to five times a day, and if she refused, he would beat her. He was no longer satisfied with petty crimes, and he wanted to make headlines in january of 1965 he attacked a woman in the parking lot at knife point luckily she got away and he was arrested he claims that he was too drunk and didn't remember anything his story worked instead of getting attempted rape and murder he ended up only getting charged with aggravated assault and served just five months in jail yeah if you're frustrated now just you wait (laughs) Um In January of 1966, Shirley was sped up and filed for divorce. Finally, finally. Two months later, he robbed a grocery store and a warrant was put up for his arrest. At 24 now or he's 24 now, Speck left Texas and moved back to Illinois with his sisters. He pleaded with them, promising that his criminal addiction days were behind him. This worked. <laughs> his brother William got him a job as a carpenter. He was showing up on time, he covered up his tattoos, he was a good worker. Then he found out Shirley had remarried. He quit his job and moved into a cheap hotel. He began drinking every day and started hanging out with groups of people. He even bragged about the time he attacked a woman in a parking lot. So obviously, this fool remembered. On April 2nd of 1966, he broke into the home that belonged to a 65-year-old woman. She lived there alone, completely helpless. He blindfolded her, then reassured her that he wasn't going to hurt her as long as she listened to him. He proceeded to rape her. Afterwards, he tied her up and vanished into the night. She called the police and described his voice to them, soft and southern. Police knew immediately that it was Speck. Police questioned him, and upon release, before they could make the arrest, he fled town once again. He went to Michigan, where his sister Martha lived. What did I just say? Did I say Michigan? Yeah. <laughs> That is not what the paper says. <laughs> what is it saying? Chicago. <laughs> what is up with me in the state of Michigan? I don't think I've researched anything in Michigan.
1: Michigan.
0: What's popping in Michigan?
1: The- <laughs> Maybe.
0: Some- okay, my bad. <laughs> I'm glad I noticed yeah. that. <laughs> okay. He went to Chicago where his sister Martha lived. She lived there with her husband, Gene. Speck claimed that police wanted him because the mafia was trying to force him to sell drugs. Yeah, that was his excuse. Um, it worked? They didn't believe him, oh, okay. but it worked and they helped him anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me guess. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, so, Gene got him a job as a merchant seaman. On April 20th, a shipmate found Speck balled up in pain. The ship's doctor rushed over and figured out that Speck had acute appendicitis. If he had gone unnoticed for another hour, he would have died from it. This is the part where I don't know if I have to say. It. I don't know if it's offensive, but, like,
1: obviously, we know how it
0: ends, and, like, they should have just, like, let him die. Yeah.
1: That's, that's what, what I was thinking. Yeah,
0: but but, but that's, that's not my business.
1: That's just my opinion, fam.
0: <laughs> yeah. He was rushed to a hospital, and they removed his appendix. He was in recovery for two weeks. It was at the hospital that he became fond of nurses. After he recovered, he returned to work. He would get high and drink vodka every day. He had exposed himself to other shipmates, still was never fired. Finally, on June 14th, he pulled a knife on his superior and he was fired immediately. But this wasn't the end of that. Some point after this, his union rep offered him his job back. I don't know, dude. Speck refused. He felt that if he fussed too much about getting his job back, it may bring light to the fact that he was wanted in two states yeah so this dude's just getting everything handed to him
1: i mean you can't find anybody else like
0: even back in the 60s come on dude like you need him you need him yeah
1: like that's just
0: yeah that's just weird so after this he visited a nurse named judy lacamini he had Mm -hmm. met her when he spent time at the hospital they dated briefly and then broke up amicably she claimed that he was a perfect gentleman the whole time mind you they only dated for two weeks He bought her gifts and took her out to nice dinners. Nothing dangerous ever stuck out to her. This was probably the only time that he really, like, this is the only person that probably would have not seen that side of him. I guess in the people that I mentioned in the story. He went back to Chicago and crashed with his sister once again. After doing nothing but napping for two weeks, his sister demanded that he find a job, otherwise he would be kicked out. He found a job, and when he went back to check-in on the first day, he found out the job had been given to someone else. He was infuriated. He blew all of his money on booze and got drunk. It's just like his M.O. Same. (laughs) Anything inconvenient? Yeah. Let's take a sip to that. I'm like obnoxiously slurping to the mic. I'm totally keeping that in there. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is all in the same day, too. He became intrigued with an apartment building. This building housed dozens of nursing students for the South Chicago Community Hospital. It was the summer of 1966. Speck was an unemployed ex-con addicted to drugs and alcohol. He felt as though he was destined to shock the world. Nothing he was doing was enough for him. On the morning of July 13th, his sister met him at a hiring hall and gave him $25. Um, I guess he just needed help when she just met him and gave him money. He left with the money and checked into an inn near the apartments. That same evening, he went to the bars. He saw a woman and decided to follow her. She went from bar to bar. He followed closely, not close enough to be seen. At around 6 p.m., using his knife as a threat, he took her to his room and raped her. He also took a 22 caliber pistol from her purse. It was unclear whether or not he let her live. So now we got this dude that commits crimes and he gets a little bit more intense with each crime now this dude's got a gun just after 10 p.m still not satisfied with his crimes for the night he made the decision to pay a visit to the nursing students he dressed up in all black and brought along his knife and newly acquired gun he entered from the back window he walked up a set of stairs and knocked on the first door he saw yeah i'm like in the middle do you mind sorry your biggest fan just walked in he's so obsessed (laughs) <laughs> okay so back to this okay 23 year old corazon amarao answered he pointed the gun at her and led her to the largest bedroom he could find he demanded she stay put as he went back to gather five more women see and again this is where i think to myself like he left the room just get up and walk out but the oppression of women back in the day was so heavy. And she could also be the type to just freeze. Yeah. You know, some people do that. But I just like the oppression, dude.
1: I mean, so you said that he had a gun. He, did he show her the gun?
0: Mm-hmm. He had.
1: So she opened the door and he
0: pointed the gun at her that way. Because I believe the room she was in, there was other women in there. But when she saw him with the gun, she was just quiet and froze. So she could, you know, and then he led her to one of the largest bedrooms that he could find, told her to stay put. So at that point, he left with the gun and the
1: knife to get more women. I mean, maybe a pressure, I mean, she's pursuing a nursing career, which I think it's, I mean, pretty good. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of women, maybe, I'm not too sure, but maybe they didn't have careers. So I feel like the fact that she is pursuing that shows that, you know, she wants a little more other than being a wife and a mom yeah i just think maybe she was scared i mean I'll, maybe you know he could have said there's another man here yeah or like you know, you know if, you, if you leave i'll kill you and you know that's kind of scary i can't say how i would act in a situation like that i'd like to think i'm a badass and i yeah. freaking run out but i don't you know you don't know how far he went what if he's just outside the door
0: mm-hmm. yeah you're right yeah. i mean at the end of the day like We'll never really know because we're not in that position, but I do think that the decade she was born in made her more oppressed than today, for sure. No, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, so she she stayed in the room, and he went back to gather five more women. He walked them over, single file line. He sat them all down and talked to them for a bit. He assured them that all he wanted was their money. He took their money, but stayed put a bit longer. At 11.40 p.m., 22-year-old Gloria Davy got home from a date with her fiancé. She had no idea what she was walking into. He grabbed her, too, and added her to his group of helpless nursing students. He casually smoked a cigarette, waving around his gun. These women tried using what they learned in psychology to get him to let them go. Unfortunately, it was no use. Speck sliced bed strips. Why did I word it like that? (laughs) Okay. Speck used his knife to slice up bed strips to use his rope to tie up the women. He laid them out on the floor, like he tied them up, laid them on the floor. He grabbed 20-year-old Pamela Wilkeny first. She spit in his face and told him that she'd pick him up or pick him out of a lineup. He took her to another room to rape her. Two other nurses, Marianne Jordan and Suzanne Ferris, walked into the room before he got the chance to rape Pamela. Enraged, he stabbed each of them over 20 times, killing them both. Over a period of four hours, he killed six more nursing students. Valentina Passion's throat was slit to her larynx. Patricia Matuzak suffered a vicious kick to her midsection. Like, he killed her with a kick to her stomach.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. <sighs> he saved Gloria Davey for last. The reason, in his words. She was the one that was flirting with me. I stuck the goddamn pistol underneath her jaw, cocked it, and said, Get naked, bitch. Yeah, he actually said this in, like, a... Yeah, in like, a, in a statement? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a video of him, like, talking about it. Mm-hmm, yeah. My he took her downstairs, raped her, sodomized her, and strangled her to death. He walked out, tossed his blade in the river, and went to bed at the inn he was staying at. Like, he didn't... Like, it didn't bother him at all.
1: How do you do that?
0: The next morning, he made headlines. Nurses strangled the newspapers, WBBM radio. It was the crime of the century, which is exactly what he wanted. Eight young women dead. He was confident and unbothered. He had gotten away with so much, he felt untouchable. However, there was a survivor. Corazon Amurao. Hey.
1: About her. My girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if, you, if you remember the, when I was talking about it, if you were counting the women too. But I wonder that's what i'm saying like maybe she did go under at some point you know because he kept grabbing more um women but she was huddled under a bed the whole night you under like that
1: so he he forgot about her
0: yeah he must have forgotten
1: so she was witnessing all these attacks and was forced to like stay quiet
0: she saw everything probably minus um gloria the one he took downstairs because she was upstairs
1: He's, yeah, oh my God! They honestly, she's an angel for that. Yeah, this is her, by the way. I have a little picture of her. She's a little Filipina girl. Hey. she's freaking gorgeous.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: she's a badass for sure. Yeah. That was the one that
0: initially opened the door in the beginning. Um. Once this news was released that there was a survivor, Speck changed his name, called the cab, and fled once again. He checked into a hotel near Chicago's Skid Row under the name R. Franklin.
1: (laughs) What's up with all these Franklins being (laughs) murdered?
0: Seriously, dude? The last story, your guy was a Franklin, this dude's a Franklin. There was another Franklin somewhere. I don't know, dude
1: just don't date franklin's guys
0: (laughs) oh man all right by saturday july 16th the evidence against him was overwhelming there were 33 fingerprints all over the crime scene and corazón Amurao identified him chicago police chief o.w wilson publicly named speck as the murderer he was the most wanted man in america escaping the city was impossible So, he slit his wrists with two broken, empty wine bottles just three days after the murders were committed. The hotel handyman found his body and called the police. Speck survived his suicide attempt and was identified later at the hospital. Yeah, so he didn't successfully kill himself. I was about to get so frustrated. Yeah, we were talking earlier about, like, when murderers commit suicide just to, like, escape the death penalty or to escape their trial. Like, dude, come on.
1: That is like the most cowardice thing and it pisses me off because that's what they want and they get it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm just glad he survived. Yeah. Just wait. I
0: want some jalapeno poppers and some pizza. Oh no? yeah. Aww.
1: Thanks, Ben. Yeah, Thank, so. Thank you. Oh, you're so nice. Anyway, rude. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Okay. You guys, Joel's man just brought us food.
0: <laughs> My man Franklin. <laughs>
1: His name's Franklin, by the way. How ironic. <laughs> Sleep with one eye open, Julie. Jules. I apologize.
0: Okay. Where was I at? So, he survived the suicide attempt and identified, or he was identified later at the hospital. Reporters surrounded the area. William Martin was the prosecutor on the case. Speck claimed to barely remember the night in question. Of course. He said, a stranger injected me with speed. I
1: have no recollection. This fool. I don't. hmm. Honestly, and at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if his luck freaking hadn't run out. Just wait.
0: (laughs) His lawyer, Marvin Saporin, tried to help him plead insanity. He would say things like, if you don't remember, maybe it wasn't you. To which Speck would respond, of course it was me. Zipporin stuck with his client in that he was innocent until proven guilty. He encouraged him to paint during the trial. And the documentary gets into, like, what he painted, and how you know, he painted a giraffe, and then he painted a jaguar, and it's like, okay, 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 like, we don't care. But I think they were just trying to add content, maybe?
1: Yeah, because I feel like my five-year-old little cousin can paint a damn giraffe, and it means nothing, honestly. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, yeah, I don't know, random, that he just painted, I guess, whatever speck had a hot plate and coffee available to him in prison he enjoyed his time prison made him feel safe during one of his and Zaporin's conversations he put a blade to his throat to um, Zaporin's throat and said if i'm such a monster like everyone says why don't i kill you now and then laughed and put the blade down on october 22nd the psychiatric panel unanimously decided he was sane enough to stand trial so that's one point for us like one he had his pretrial hearing in january of 1967 with judge herbert passion on april 3rd the trial officially began corazon amurao was called to the stand when asked who committed the crime she walked over to where speck was standing pointed in his face and said this is the man he was found guilty and sentenced to death he was sent to stateville prison in illinois After four days of being tormented by other inmates, he was transferred to isolation for his own safety. He was assigned to work as a janitor so he could take advantage of yard time. He was allowed to paint and was asked to paint the isolation unit as a job. He had more freedom than most. He would hide raisins to ferment for alcohol. He snuck in cigarettes as well. He became famous in prison. Relatives of the victims waited anxiously for his execution, but his appeals dragged on. Actually, um, so in June of 1971, the U.S. Supreme Court reversed his death penalty because um, during jury selection, potential jurors were excluded improperly, but this devastated the relatives of those killed, obviously. They've been waiting this whole time for, for what? So, in 1976, just 10 years after the murders, he became eligible for parole.
1: No. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. How? Like, that is, like, ridiculous. Well, the good news is he was denied every time he tried.
0: So, another point but he liked prison
1: but that that's what's bugging me the most is like i don't know did he genuinely like it or he's just one of those people that love to like do you get what i'm saying That just love to piss people off by like doing the complete opposite of what what i think you know it's like mind games like oh you want me to suffer in like prison well here's you know like that it's not gonna happen like and it's like how do they allow people to have like such a good time when they're supposed to be like suffering from what they did yeah Yeah, no i don't know it's ridiculous
0: Uh, Yeah, like I said, he was okay with this. He felt safe in prison. When asked about the murders and why those girls specifically, he responded, it just wasn't their night. So in prison, he feminized himself. He would wear bras and let other men have sex with him for survival purposes. 25 years in prison, he spent it getting belittled and used sexually by men.
1: But was that, like, satisfying to him? Like, is that what he wanted?
0: I don't... I mean... In the interviews, and I'll link. I believe it's on YouTube, so I'll link it in the um, on the website. But there was a, a not a scene, um, a clip of the video where the guys were saying, "Yeah, dude, like take your clothes off, like let's see your body or whatever." And he like took it off, like, "Oh, here I am," like, and he just had like his boxer briefs on, and he just he was like everyone's bitch in prison and i don't think he liked it i think he just did it for survival but he in the video he acted like it was something he wanted but i i think that has to do a lot with like like what you said like
1: the pride thing mm-hmm. like he's not gonna let anyone get to him type of thing. i like his reputation yeah fuck i mean i'm glad i hope he didn't like it and i hope it is pretend and i hope that like he is like he, he did, did suffer yeah yeah
0: I hope so, because something for that. Damn. Um, So in 1991, he suffered a heart attack and was rushed to the hospital. He passed away shortly after. His family didn't want his body. In an interview, they asked him, though this was before he passed away, the same interview, how did you feel after killing those ladies? And he said, like I always felt, had no feeling. If you're asking if I felt sorry, no.
1: No comment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's just really crazy how somebody can just take their damn pride to their fucking deathbed. Like, how do you not? To their deathbed, and then not to mention, like, everyone helped this kid. His mother, his sisters, his
0: lawyer, even, like, his lawyer pitied him.
1: And you know what? At the end of the day, like, the lawyer, it's his job. Like, I feel like, you know, you're getting paid for it. But, like, oh, you should try painting. Who the hell cares? Yeah.
0: He would have meetings with him just to talk. Speck can't be that interesting of a person. I'm sorry. But no.
1: maybe, I mean, a lot of people are intrigued
0: by... I mean, he, you know, and we talked about this before, but I don't think I put it in. Like, we, Ted Bundy, like, he's he's an, he's an a handsome fellow. But I don't want to talk to him.
1: <laughs> I don't want to go near him. But I don't know. I just feel like, you know, obviously, you're listening to this. So we're all a little fascinated by crimes and murders and yeah. Like, the mind of these, like, psychopaths, if you want to say.
0: True.
1: I just don't want to, like... <clears throat> like, I just don't want to, like, glorify them. That Yeah, and that's why, like, I think
0: I mentioned his childhood because I am very intrigued by criminal psychology and understanding everyone's minds, mm-hmm. including criminals. And regardless of what I understand and what I can explain mentally and psychologically there's obviously still what's morally correct and what's not i mean they're They're still shitty people yeah for sure no definitely definitely (laughs) but it it brings into question like "Hmm, i wonder why he's like that why does he hate women so much and then it brings you back to well, his mother was very black and white like you're Mm -hmm. either pure or you're not but then again like these nurses how did he know they weren't virginal and pure you know did he do it for that did he do it because he just wanted
1: like was were they that strict that he just needed to breathe sometimes i feel like shitty people are shitty people and like as much as i would like to believe that like oh there's a reasoning behind it i feel like there's a lot of people with messed up childhoods that don't kill eight innocent people. They're so just like born like that, huh? Yeah, or just like you don't care. You want to indulge in your satisfaction. I
0: mean,
1: he mm-hmm. raped a sixty-year-old, sixty-six-year-old woman. Sixty-five, yeah, well, yeah. Like,
0: well, that was his thing when he first moved out of home. When he was fifteen, he would sleep with prostitutes and like
1: away older women. Yeah. That poor lady. Oh my gosh, I know. that makes me so like, sad. It's just like he's. She was just like point-blank. Period. Sick
0: in the head. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Make sure you give us five stars wherever you're listening.
1: Yeah, and if it's not five stars, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. (laughs) All
0: All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. Toodles.